You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads, brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos, I hate calling myself that, and underground metal connoisseur Matt Bacon, who loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Hello and welcome to the Blacklight Media Podcast. I'm Matt Bacon. I will be hosting again today without Chris Santos, but we have a really good guest, a guest I'm really excited to have, a guest who's been a friend of mine since I was, I think, like 18 years old. And I'm speaking, of course, about Jarvis from Night Demon and Iron Grip Management. How are you today, Jarvis? Hey, Matt. I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. So you have a lot going on. Most recently, you just dropped Night of the Demon the like night demon compilation of singles you've been doing can you tell me about that yeah it's actually called year of the demon right yeah i'm sorry yeah night of the demon is an old film actually that's night of the demons but anyway yeah year of the demon is the 2020 single we put out five singles in 2020 starting april 3rd so basically you you know, right when the, the lockdown happened. So that was something that we had been planning for a couple of years prior to that. Um, but it actually, you know, when that, when that whole thing went down, um, you know, I mean, like we're not, uh, we're not exclusive to the situation. It took down every, every band from touring and every business, but, um, you know, obviously we were kind of, we were a bit worried about that because, as far as, you know, all these plans we had made to release these singles, but it actually worked out in our favor because a lot of people were at home and wanting to hear some new music. So from April 3rd up through August 7th, every five weeks, we were dropping a new single that came, the A side came out digitally with a lyric video and also a behind the scenes making video, making of each track and, it also they also each came out on a seven inch vinyl with an exclusive B side, a cover song that was exclusive to the vinyl only at that time. But you know, like like many of us, the you know we thought the pandemic it was two, you know two weeks to to you know the two week curve, and then it was two months, and then it was a year. And then when we saw it was going to be two years, we just kind of said, look, you know, we're a touring band, so before we put out our next record. Um, you know, we need to tour off of these singles because we never got to. So the idea that we came up with with the record company was just to release these all on a compilation, keep the discography clean, give these songs a new life, and give the people a chance who didn't get the seven inches because those sold out basically each day that they went on sale. Um, sure. Give them a chance to hear these B-sides too. So it's just a collection of those songs and it's something that we can go tour on this year. We've got about a hundred shows coming up before wow. we put out our next record, which is already finished. And 
is scheduled to come out near near the end of the year. So, um, yeah, that's basically the idea. You know, the other the only other thing I would mention about what makes this unique is we went into the studio with a different producer for each song in a different studio somewhere in the world. So we worked with like Matt Hyde and Steve Albini and Fleming Rasmussen, Josh Newell. We worked with a lot of people, Randy Burns. So, um, you know, it was a very cool experiment and the, the songs, the songs we were writing were very different from one another and weren't very cohesive for a, on a full length record. So that's what you get out of it. And uh, yeah, you know, it's just, it's cool to be able to, to give these songs some, some new life and go out and, and uh, support it. Absolutely. That's really cool. And that's a cool strategy, but I want to go way back because you've been involved in the scene for a really long time, but even before that, what were you like as a kid? And, you know, like I, my parents tell me before, like, you know, some of my first things that I ever did was like, just pick up a guitar in the corner of the room. You know, I mean, I was always into music. I went through a period when I was young that, you know, I was into like skateboarding and, sports and stuff like that because you know when you're when you're really young i mean it's really hard to find people that you're going to school with that are playing music already you know if they are they're usually just some piano prodigy you know it's not it doesn't rock so yeah i was into that and uh basically grew up in a private school like a christian school so like i knew the same kind of 20 or 30 kids for most of my life up until I went into high school. And at the time it sucked because I wasn't religious and neither were my parents. It was just a way to get me kind of a more focused education and, and actually have, you know, it was, they, they kind of thought that, you know, it was a better way for, for the educators or teachers to kind of like, you know, to, to be closer to the game, you know, the public school system, you know, I don't know what it's like today, but back when I was growing up, like there was just, you know, it was, it was what it was, you know? So I was fortunate enough, I guess, to have that up, but, um, you know, being, being on the, uh, being in the Christian, in the organized religious brainwashing world, it really kind of pushed me to things like heavy metal and, and those messages, all the stuff that they were saying to stay away from, you know, as a kid, I was, I was just gravitating towards more and more because the, uh, the authority, uh, was telling me otherwise, you know, and that's, that's what the, the rebellion is. So I've always been a, a bit of a rebellious soul, even as a young child. And, you know, I guess I got into a lot of trouble when I was a kid as well at school, but um, it was all just a rebellion. When I found music and rock and roll as an outlet, I was able to, to have a voice and, you know, my life changed around as far as, you know, I had a lot more respect for a lot of people once I had, once I had an outlet, you know, I wasn't acting out in other negative ways. So, but yeah, I mean, music's been a, a big part of my life and, my dad, um, my dad played music and he was in him and Michael Anthony from Van Halen were like in their first bands together. And so it's oh, wow. kind of always, yeah, it's kind of always been, it's kind of always been around. And, um, but you know, it's, it's, I've been, I've been doing it, I guess, seriously since I was 12. So, I mean, I never, I never did anything really. Otherwise I was always kind of around it, even in the music business. I mean, whether that's me working at, you know, I worked at music stores and, you know, I worked at record stores. I worked at musical instrument retailers and excelled in that world. I was a bouncer at clubs when I was young and I've been a concert promoter since I was 17, you know, so, and I was always in bands. I've been in 36 bands. So wow. like, yeah, it's just, I, I just wanted to know every aspect of the business. I wanted to, I just wanted to be around it wherever I could. So wherever there was opportunities to do that, I did. And I'm grateful because, you know, when you know all sides of 
of what goes in and out of this stuff, then, you know, you're able to kind of do it, do it for yourself and help other people do it. But you really have to kind of know all the ins and outs and stuff. Like I've always said the best, the best manager of any business is, is the guy who knows how to do everything. You know, if you manage the McDonald's, you still have to know where the mop is and you still have to know how to clean the floor and how to fry the fries. You can't just be like, Oh, I'm just the boss, you know? And like, you know, like I know how to make scheduling and how to keep people in line. It's like, you really have to get in the trenches with your guys and get your hands dirty when it needs to be done. You have to be the, the ultimately the responsible party, I would say. And so I think the evolution of me just wanting to be around this stuff all the time, you know, like I dropped out of high school to tour with the band because I had an opportunity to go on tour with the band. And I was just a tour manager too. I was being playing in the band and I thought, well, I mean, my parents weren't too happy about that, but in the end, you know, like uh, nowadays they kind of look back on it and go, yeah, you know, like you really landed on your feet and it's good that, that you went and did that. You know, I mean, I think parents just, they get concerned and they're, you know, they're worried about their kids. They, you know, so, but yeah, that's uh, the gist of it. Talk me through this. So, cause when you started, you were deeply in like the punk scene, right? Right. You know, I've always been a metal kid. So I, I started as a metal kid, but there was just no metal scene where I'm from in Southern California. Like it just, we were an hour North of LA and you know, in the nineties, like metal was as dead as you could get. I mean, I, w- I was going to see, you know, like the original lineup of Doc and reunited, I think four or five years ago, and they got a million dollars to go and play two gigs. When in the nineties, I saw that lineup in front of a hundred people, you know, at a $20 ticket. So things have had a major shift, you know, at that time, that stuff wasn't happening, but definitely where in my local area, we had a really rich history of eighties, hardcore punk and like skate punk and surf punk was kind of, this was one of the breeding grounds of where that originated. Everybody I knew was into that. And I was too, you know, be growing up in a metal band. I mean, you, you basically are surrounded by all that. And the only gigs you could get is playing with those bands. So at the time, there was a lot of crossover happening. Like in the 80s, you couldn't have punk and metal bands play together. It just never happened. It wasn't until like some crossover thrash stuff like Dr. No or DRI. And some of that stuff was coming out that it became a little bit more accepted. But it really it really wasn't around here. You know, if you had long hair and went to a punk show, you might get fucking beat up. You know, I mean, that's a real thing you know now now it doesn't fucking matter which is great but in the 90s it wasn't so bad like uh, a lot of punks that i knew were were into slayer and then slayer had that punk covers record and there was just there was some more crossover and it was cool so i found myself playing in metal bands but always playing with punk rock bands and so i basically you know the first bands i ever toured with were punk rock bands and so like i would i came from the diy scene which really, really helped me a lot, especially in metal and especially starting a band like Night Demon. You know, we started the band 10 years ago, but even then, you know, in the past decade, like, as you know, like the the music industry had a total shift about, about 15 to 20 years ago. So doing it yourself is really the way to do it. So that's an, that's an education that no music school can teach you, you know, like basically being around that scene and seeing people put out their own records, making, yeah. you know, I, I was making t-shirts in my bedroom, you know, like all this kind of stuff, going to shows, handing out flyers. I still, I still do that, man. 
And like Night Demon's doing a, a record release show next week locally. Uh, we're rarely home these days because we're on the road so much. But like we were flying the other day. I mean, it's like we just you just go you just go and do it, and you're never too good or big to do that. And what I found is that you know when I was growing up, you were constantly flooded. Like man, it, you know you you go to a gig and wait outside to hand out flyers. And you'd be one of like 10 to 20 people and you'd have to sure. really jock for, for position. And now I'm like the only guy it's, it's you know, it's, it's, in, it's very interesting. And, you know, I spent a lot of time in Ireland early this year and we're putting on a festival out there this summer. And I was going to some big shows and, and, and flyering for that. I was the only guy, you know, and um, I guess that's cool. You know, like, I mean, that's fine for me. I wish I would see, I, I hope to see more of that, you know, with other people, but just because other people aren't doing it, doesn't mean I'm not, I'm going to stop, you know, I mean, we still do the Facebook thing and all that, but it's like, you have to, there's a difference, you know, and I think people will learn this with the pandemic being kind of in the rear view a bit now, like there's a big difference between going out and interacting with people face to face and the best place to advertise your music or your performances, I would say the best place to advertise those is at other performances, because that's you're sure. you're dealing with people that are already out doing these things. You know, you can get as many confirmations as you want online or on Facebook, or you can buy as many ads as you want. And that stuff's good. And it does help. But getting having FaceTime with somebody at an actual event that's already committed to going and they're already there, they're the ones most likely to go to another event again, especially if you are telling them directly about it and you're handing them a flyer and going, Hey man, here's what's going on. And like, you know, here's, here's what this is all about. And, you know, being personable with somebody, that's your best bet. So if you're going to, if you go out there into the world and you perform live and you expect people to come see you live, go and get some FaceTime with the people that go see live music. That's, that's my best piece of advice. <laughs> yeah. I think you are correct. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm sure you have a million uh, and one strategies on top of that, which I'm all that stuff helps. You put it all into one big pot. Sure. Of course. The basis of it, you know, in its simplest form, it's like, I, I don't know why I keep talking about French fries, but it's like, if you, if you're a French fry salesman, go to, go to the French fry convention, you know, go, go, go to people that a guy eating fries to sell them, <laughs> you know, like, like you, you have to, you have to really, you know, it's not the live music scene is not, it's not what it once was. And it's the, you know, everything's getting smaller because people just stay at home for everything, you know? So yeah. like, so it's great to be involved in that community. You know, you have to be, you have to be in the community in order if you want to, if you want to see some return in it, you know, you have to participate. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that's really, there's a lot of people I think who either like got more involved in the scene or learned a lot more about the scene during COVID and are kind of having a hard time adapting to this, like, Oh, Hey, I really need to show up component. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Like I think there's so many people that are, looking at you know how to go viral they're looking at strategies like that versus just the grassroots of it all like yeah within like you know what do you what are you actually doing like what do you what is your career about like what do you do like how do you entertain people like are you a internet personality or and are you giving them value by the way you know that's not, you know, just talking about yourself. I mean, cause that's the reality of it. You know, bands, when they post, all they're doing is saying, Hey, look at me and look what I'm doing. And somebody who loves you is going to want that information. Of course, you know, 
but you're not really giving them any value, you know? And when you're, go- when you're out in person, you're giving somebody value. You're giving them your time. You're giving them a conversation. You're going to be talking about other kinds of music. You're sharing an experience at a gig with them. You know, there's like you're handing them a physical thing in their hands that they're going to want to put on their wall or something. There's so many things. There's so much added value to that versus you just simply putting something up online and saying, hey, look at me, I'm so cool, you know, or look at all these things that I'm doing. And in in reality, everybody has their own website now with social media and they want to be cool too. So it's like people are, they're less inclined to to support you and get behind you when they're trying to do the same thing themselves and get noticed, you know? So I think that virility, I guess if that's a word, if that's what you would call it, I mean, I think that all comes down to that stuff happens when you, you've, you've already covered all the bases of doing something great. You've written a great song. You're, or you're a great band. Your live performances are awesome. You've got great artwork. You've got a, a good core supporting audience. You got to do, you got to do all those things first And then people are going to want to share it and talk about it, you know, I mean, or you can have some really compelling video content, which is, which is great too, but that's an art in itself. First of all, how often do you get recognized when you're flyering? You know, it's funny. It depends where I am. So like I said, when I was in Ireland, people would say, you know, oh, that's amazing. Night Demon or Sierra Thungle or something like this is, is playing. Are these guys really, and they'd ask me, are these guys really coming here? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm in the band. You know, and they're like, you're, no, you're not, you know, <laughs> and I'll be like, yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm in this band, you know, and, and uh, they would say no. And they'd have to look on Google images and go, holy shit, you know, or, or sometimes people just do a double take. Like I was in the airport once and some guy hit up our Instagram or whatever and said, hey, I saw a guy look just like Jarvis. And I was like, well, that's me. You know, like we get around a I got my first airport recognition the other day. It was so sick. <laughs> there, there you go, dude. Was it like somebody who followed the music business stuff or? Yeah, yeah. Came up to me. I was like, hey, you're Matt Bacon. And I was like, ah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing, dude. That's amazing. I mean, look, it always it always feels good. You know, it's like uh, it's 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 hard to say. Like, I didn't I didn't get into this for for the fame, really. I just got into it because I really love music, you know, and I really love playing but you want to be recognized for your efforts, you know? So it's, it's definitely an ego, it's definitely a good ego boost. And you're kind of like, all right, for me, I think it, it, it always seems to happen when I'm having one of those days where I'm like, I feel like I'm at the end of my rope, you know? And I'm like, sure. to what, av- to what avail am I doing this? You know? And then something like that happens and I'm like, okay, you know, or somebody will say, Hey, that song that you wrote, like, you know, especially with this last record, I mean, we really tackled some more personal stuff about depression and suicidal thoughts and stuff like this. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of out of our world to, to go there. And, uh, you know, like people saying that, hey, that song really helped me or like one guy even said like, hey, that song like kind of kept me from killing myself. And I was like, whoa, OK, like, yeah, I was talking with my girlfriend last night and I was thinking like we were asking each other, like, would you ever go to space? You know, and we we're kind of thinking like, well, it's not like something that like is number one on my list, but of course we would, I would do it. You know, it's not something I'm actively trying to do, but I thought about it. And I'm like, you know, like I would just love to look out on the world. I'd like to be in the vast blackness and just look down on earth and just, just to come back and get a perspective of like, dude, <laughs> like all nothing matters. You know, these little things, yeah. they don't mean a fucking shit. And it's like, you, it's just get some perspective back in your life and just keep doing these things that like, 
live the human experience and really do the things that you really enjoy and where you can excel at them and just be great at them. But people, you can only be great at the things you really like doing. And a lot of times we trick ourselves into thinking that there's things that we have to do because they complement the things we really like doing. But I don't, I don't agree with that. And that's why with bands, I mean, if you want to scale a business or a band, it's great. It's best. You can only do it with a team. There's so many guys that, that just want to do everything themselves. And like, I come from the DIY world where, yeah, I think you should do that. I think you should start doing that and you should educate yourself on all aspects. But if you don't like doing artwork, then don't, you don't have to go to graphic design school or, or, or learn Photoshop. If you don't like doing it, just find somebody who does. And you, you got to keep doing the the music part or whatever it is that, that you like, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. So break this down because it's, you know, it's very rare that you have someone in sort of a uh, a working band who's also, you know, very active as, you know, in the scene, right? Uh, behind the scenes, like doing management, you know, with Kira Thungal and Visigoth and other bands and having the heavy metal shop, you know, your web store. Uh, how do you balance those things? How do you balance like being in a, a known band who are going to play 100 shows and managing other known bands who will play many shows except yeah yeah not well <laughs> uh yeah well, I, I wouldn't say that i i do it well but not great like you know my advice to anybody is just stick with one thing you know like it, it's all a double-edged sword i think that like i said before the best managers are people that know how to do every everything so like i'm the best band manager because i'm in a band out there doing it right and i have done it like a lot of managers have never done that so like they may have connections so they may be the business guy but they've never written a they've never written a song yet they're going to take publishing money and writing and writer's credit or whatever they've never been on the road but they're going to go ahead and take a piece of that. Like they, they don't understand. A lot of them don't really understand the ins and outs. I'm sure they understand it, but they don't fully grasp it because they haven't, you know, they, you know, it's not like, okay, I'm going to fly into the New York show and see the band and take some meetings versus like, I'm going to go out for three months with the band and I'm not going to shower and I'm going to sleep on their friend's floor, you know? So I feel like, I'm the best manager in that sense. And my commissions are very fair because I mean, dude, there's bands I worked with that were getting off the ground. I didn't get paid for the first three years. And I was fine with that because I understand what goes into it. Right. And so once your manager takes this big cut and your agent takes a big cut off the top, off the gross, by the way, you know, then you got to pay the bills. The merchandise costs money. There's gas, there's van rentals. And then you got to split that, that five ways. It's like, when when the management and the agency is is each making more money than each individual member of the band, I kind of you know I'm not faulting the administration who's you know obviously doing things to get these these bands opportunities, but there's something about that that just seems broken to me, and it's it's designed for the band to fail in a way. You know, artists are very sensitive people, and when you put them in a situation of of near warfare, it can break you if you're the one out there busting your ass in that sense physically you want to at least be equally compensated as as the people behind the scenes at the desk right i mean that's just a natural that's the natural feeling and you know some people might see it otherwise and that's fine but i think that on the other end of it the other edge of the sword is the best manager manages one band me managing five six seven bands like it's good in the sense that each of them are different 
and we're all there, but we're all in the same kind of scene, but it leads to a lot of contacts and a lot more opportunity because it's, if, if you have one band, that's all you have, you have your pool and you have to really reach and really extend outside of that to get new contacts and to meet new people and to spread your wings. When you have more bands in the, in the pool, it's like you're meeting people you would have never met that are just not into what your other band is doing. You know what I'm saying? Or, or they're just not on their radar. But at a certain point, you pretty much know all the players in the game, you know? And when new people come along, you're already up on the upper echelon where they're kind of coming to you for something, you know? So I think it's great for networking to manage many bands. And look, there's tons of times where I get an opportunity for one of my bands and they can't do. And I've been able to hook up another one of my bands. It's happened so many times that I I think that is great. But I don't have a big team. I have one employee and I have... Uh, some people that I commission on the side to help me with certain things, you know, but it's all about focus, man. When you can have, it's like a drop of water, you know, a drop of water is nothing. It's not going to do any, anything, but if you take water, I mean, you could take water and shoot it through a fucking laser cannon that could cut metal. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's focus. It's focused energy. When you have that laser, like focus on something, you really are in it and you can get so many things done. But I find that there's so many distractions these days with social media or, a, you know, you get a text that just takes you out of whatever you're doing. And you, you could get one email from a band that you manage. I mean, it could be nothing. It could just be like, hey, uh, um, do we have hotels on this festival or something? But what that does is just that email coming across your desk. When you're in the middle of strategizing something, it just completely takes you out of it, you know? So the best thing to do, I think, is to minimize distractions. There's a lot of apps for that, you know? And when you're working on something, just work on it. I time myself a lot. I use what's called the Pomodoro technique, which is it's a 25-minute clock. And every 25 minutes that goes off and I take a five-minute break, do that four times. And on the, after the fourth one, you take a 30-minute break. Um, it's based on like your brain can only focus on something for so long, you know? But on those breaks, I try not to uh, check social media or anything like that. I try and just chill for a minute and do nothing, you know? <laughs> And the other thing, you have to do a little bit of something every day, right? So if you're doing multiple things, if you're in multiple bands or you manage multiple bands or you have multiple businesses, I find that doing 30 minutes, 25, 30 minutes a day on each thing is way more manageable than having this big brain dump of a day once a week or once a month because it catches up to you. You, you think you're going to have time to do something. And then all of a sudden, like World War Three happens, uh, not literally, but like, you know, it's like just your your life gets, you know, sometimes you get a call that in the morning that just like, oh, shit, you know, like stuff happens, you know, and you can't be like, oh, next Friday, I plan on doing eight hours of work for midnight, you know, and arranging their whole Euro tour. It's like, no, no, no you have to just do it as it comes as it comes. And if you can stay consistent every day, you're pretty much on top of it. And there's not a lot of surprises. Um, it's just finding a way to transition from one thing to the next, because by the end of the day, your brain is just on such overload, you know? So anyway, I know that's a long winded answer, but I just, I would recommend 
to keep it simple, man, you know, I've created a world for myself, which just didn't all happen at once. It's an accumulation of things, you know, but I've learned, I mean, look, there's been a lot of great opportunities that have come my way in the last couple of years that I've just had to say no to. You got to know how to say no to people, you know, but at the same time, I highly recommend, you know, to listen to everybody too. every band that sends me a demo or is interested in me managing them. You know, I always, I always check it out. I always listen to them and I always reply, even if it's something I'm not interested in, because the worst thing is I, I've experienced it is to approach people that just never get back to you. They don't even give you the time of day or say like, Hey, I'm too busy or I'm not interested. You have to, you have to do that because it's, it's, it's terrible. It sucks, dude. I've waited I've in agony before on, I've been so hung up on people that I've wanted to work with and stuff. And it's like, man, if they could only see what I bring to the table or they, if they could only see what night team is doing, we're perfect for their roster. And we have a lot, a lot going on, even though they don't know about us like they need to and there's ways that i can help them too you know but it's like all i need to do is just have that conversation just get me in the door it's just frustrating when when people don't do that so i try and make it i try and set the precedent in the opposite way where it's like you know it's like the golden rule right like treat others how you want to be treated it's like always give somebody the courtesy because they went out and worked hard they might have sat for eight hours and crafted an email of how to contact you you don't know you know it's like give them the respect that you would want, you know, at least just check it out and reply to them, you know, and just if, you know, if you can, if you can't help them, you know, a lot of times I know somebody that can, and that's the best thing, you know, one conversation can change your whole life. (laughs) This is true. Night Demon dropped the record, right? What else is kind of coming up with the band now? And in your career in general, we've got a beer coming out called Beer of the Demon in honor of Year of the Demon from Casa Agria Brewing here in Southern California. So we're doing a, a show at the brewery next uh, next Saturday, April 16th. Then we do a one off at Hell's Heroes in Houston following weekend. Then we go to France for a gig and basically start touring Europe for a month, uh, May and June. There's a lot of festivals in there. And then we do some more festivals in July. We're doing Mexico in September. We're doing some U.S. and Canadian stuff in the fall, some other German dates. And then we'll have a new record out at the end of the year. We've got about 100 shows coming up this year. But yeah, I'm really excited about the new record. It's really interesting. It's like it's a concept record. It's something that we've always tried to do. And but this time we successfully pulled it off, you know, at least I think uh, we did. And yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, obviously, that's <clears throat> that's my first love i never wanted to be a band manager but there's just all these great bands that i've known and come into contact with and like it hurts me to see them go down certain paths you know or to 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 fail in the business world when their music is so great you know and so that's kind of what happened it was just a natural evolution and look that's if you look at like most of the success stories of people throughout history it usually starts with them doing what they love and then that morphs and evolves into other facets where that they didn't even dream of, you know? So being a band man, having a dream to be a band manager, I don't think anybody, any managers ever had that dream. I really don't. I think it was just people that just loved music and wanted to be involved in some way. Most of them didn't play instruments and that's kind of how that happened. But for me, it's not. For me, it's like, you know, I spent so much time in bands. And when I was in a band, when I was young, we had a really great manager. And like, 
I was always gravitating towards him and I was really always interested in the business side of things and how things worked, you know? And so I just learned over time and, you know, much like you, you know, I just, I read the trades and like, you just have to keep up on stuff and follow it. And you learn the language and the lingo. And, you know, I mean, like I've, I negotiate a lot of record contracts too, and I get paid to do that. And I'm not a lawyer, you know, but it's like, I, I understand how it works. There's been a lot of, I've signed bad deals, you know, so like I have the experience. So there's a lot of things that a lot of lawyers won't look for either, you know, or there's things that I know that a band's going to want down the road that it's like, well, Hey, let's think long-term let's negotiate this. Now it's not just about this money up front. Cause essentially, you know, the record companies these days, a lot of times they just end up just being the bank, you know? And, and if you can't, if you can't get the stuff that you need out of it, then it's, it's sometimes not worth it, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, but yeah, other than that, what else is coming up? I mean, like Sierra Thungle's got, is finally doing some shows again and we've got a ton of shows coming up. We got Vakken coming up this summer too. And a lot of, a lot of festivals, Psycho Vegas. Um, but yeah. And all the bands, I mean, look, Midnight just got off tour. They just put out a new record They're They've got some big stuff that we're going to announce this year. Um, yeah. You know, Satan just put out a new record, just debuted at number 12 on the German charts. So uh, it's pretty good, man. So everybody is back to doing things. And that's really cool, especially because, you know, like we we survived the pandemic and I got used to it. Right. Like I got used to the bands not being on the road and financially that's death for me and for these bands, but we, we, we made it through. And now that the bands are back playing again, I'm like, wow, like this is actually turning into a lucrative business. Now that I, now that I got used to that lifestyle, you know, now I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. Well we can actually go out and make a living doing this again. So yeah, it's been great. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for coming on. This really meant a lot. Yeah, dude, I appreciate it. And to any listeners out there that are interested in getting in the music business or the movie business, that's my other passion. Just always remember, it's all about what your vision is and what you want to create. You know, fuck the gatekeepers and just have the courage to go out and do something yourself. Do it the way that you want to see it done. And if it's good, those people will come to you and then you can decide if you want to work with them or not, because you don't need anybody else to get you there. You know, you can get yourself there in, in many ways. And there's nothing more gratifying than looking at a piece of art that, that you created with your with your own vision. Absolutely. Well said. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with Chris, another special guest. We've had Jarvis from Night Demon. Check him out on the gram. They do a lot of cool stuff. And we'll see you soon. All right. So that was awesome. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening to Delirious Nomads, sponsored by Blacklight Media. We will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest. Be sure to follow Blacklight Media on socials for new music and more. And above all, keep it heavy. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, 
and my good friends Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.